0: Welcome to season three of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations with the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. We're at it again. Another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And this week's show is sponsored by the good people at JM4 Tactical. If you're looking for a new holster, just remember also, the people at JM4 Tactical sponsors me now in the shooting season for USPSA competition. So please head on over to JM4Tactical.com and see what all they have to offer for your concealed carry and holster needs. Also, I wanna go ahead and give a thank you to all of those who listen to us abroad and in the States. So whatever state state you're in, I do wanna give you a big thank you for hanging out with the math scientists, Coach B and myself, and also the international audience. So you, probably seen it on instagram that i put a post up and i stated if you want to be on the show a hey, leave your phone number or give us a call between certain hours that extends out to the international um audience as well but i would like to get someone who listens to us abroad and bring them on to the show so we can have a discussion about um, firearms in their country and do a comparison so we can actually hear it firsthand Um, Also, remember, the South Carolina sectional is taking place 30 April through 2 May. Registration is now open, and I think the mad scientist wants everybody to come out and shake his hand and take a picture with him. So come on out there to Belton, South Carolina, and enjoy some pew-pew things going downrange as we do the South Carolina sectional in Belton, South Carolina, on 30 April through 2 May. Now, without further ado, I know everybody is waiting for this one, so... Once again, the co-hostess with the mostest, my man with the plan, the guy who uses gun butter, who says it gives them more alphas, the guy who actually knows how to work machines I never heard of, Mm -hmm. the same guy that actually put a front sight on, and I was like, what is that contraption? And he gave me a class on this device, the same guy who actually tuned my magazines, The same guy who I nag throughout the day, throughout the night, even when he's at work. So without further ado, my main man, Dave. What's going on, Dave? How's it going for you? Hey, Mike, it's
1: going all right. We're back here in 2021 and my intro is getting longer. Yeah, man, like I said,
0: before you know it, we are going to have to start like a day before. And without further ado. So um, how's everything been going since the last show?
1: Uh, it's been, I've been busy at work, but things been going okay. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, that could be a good thing in a
0: sense of speaking.
1: It is a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are still struggling. Um, happy to be able to go to work every day, have a some work to do, um, but just been busy.
0: Yeah. Um, that same thing happened to, same conversation I had with you the other day when I was like, hey, just be fortunate that busy is good. I said the same thing to my cousin like five minutes later because she was complaining, like, these people at work getting on my nerves. And she lives <laughs> up in New York. So she's dealing with all the, the COVID and, you know, people coming back in to play with work. And I just pretty much told her, like, Hey, you just gotta be fortunate because a lot of people are not able to work because of the yeah. current conditions. And, you know, businesses are scaling back for, you know, work reasons and everybody's working at home now. So
1: yeah it's definitely different
0: yeah so um before we go any further she made a brief appearance last week now this person if y'all don't know drives me to do the draw fire practice so even though y'all see me at the draw fire draw fire draw this is what i'm doing for draw fire This is the person behind the plan that tells me to put the bonbons down, get out of the bed, throw the cover aside, put your shoes on, get out there on the pull-up bar. (laughs) This is Coach B. What's going on?
2: Hi, Mike. Hi, Dave. (laughs) Hi, Coach B. Hi, Coach B.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how's it been going since the last time you was on the show, B?
2: It's been going good. Staying busy, you keep me busy. No, M W tactical
0: keeps me busy. Yeah, that's all I was about to say. M W tactical keeps you busy, not necessarily me.
2: <laughs> no, Making sure you're doing your pull ups and dry fire.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. That's, that's what a full time job. Hey, that's what you say.
1: <laughs> How many pull ups are you, are, are you up to now?
0: Um, Right now, what I'm doing is 10 a day. So I do um 10 every other day. So you actually know that I'm actually doing more exercises in between the pull-ups. Mm-hmm. So I actually go to the gym and then I rock out 100 push-ups every day. And then every other day I'm doing you know 10 pull-ups, but I'm doing more exercises also. And um, I got these um, workout bands that you can mm-hmm. put in between the door and everything. So I'm about to start incorporating that. And before you know it, I'm gonna be at the schedule I was when I was in the military wake up in the morning, do PT, do a little bit of work, and then go back to yeah. PT, then a little bit more work, and then you're off. So, which I, I didn't have no complaints about that because, you know, growing up and playing sports and everything, um, the workout aspect is something that I really did look forward to every day. Just something, challenge yourself, push yourself. You know, That's so... Good. um so um, Coach B, she disappeared on us last week. You know, I turned around and she was gone. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> left the microphone, left the headset, uh, she was out. So, But she did say she was a little nervous. So um, nothing to be nervous about, but I am glad you are actually here um, doing the conversations with us. So I, th- I think I might need to find a strap or something and strap her down to the seat so she can't run away this time.
1: <laughs> now, I'm glad Coach B is here too. It'll be fun
0: yeah so um, I want to say, I haven't looked at her calendar as far as her shooting, but I do know that she is going to be shooting the South Carolina sectional, so I think Coach B needs to do a little bit more dry fire. Oh
2: <laughs> I think that was apparent in Florida. <laughs> I've been very slack. Uh,
0: a fire. Oh, you know, life jumps in the way at times, so you know it is what it is.
2: I'll get back into it.
0: Yeah, um, because of the fact I do believe that. Um, do Do you honestly believe like the winter months affect how people shoot or not?
1: Just in in what way, like the temperature? Yeah, like co- cold, cold
0: Yeah, like for me, um, I was a cold weather injury beforehand, so. The cold weather affects me differently than everybody else that we regularly shoot with. So when we're out there, it can be, let's say, 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. And you might say, man, it feels good out here. And I'm like, man, it's freezing out here. What's going on? <laughs> you know? But do, do you believe that actually... Well, I honestly believe... Let me Let me rephrase that. I honestly believe that it is a mental fraction of performance but do you honestly believe the colder weather is a physical distractor for performance?
1: Only thing that I've really noticed that um, has affected me is, is my hands if my hands are cold mm-hmm. um, I kind of lose some some dexterity there and it, it can make you know gun handling a little more difficult for me uh, other than that I don't really I mean, I just, you know, try to prepare for the cold weather. You got to take, you know, some extra precautions and what you're doing and, you know, clothing, extra clothes, gloves, hat, that that sort of thing. Make sure, um, you know, even though it's cold outside, make sure you're still staying hydrated. Um, Other than that, keeping my hands warm is the main thing. I use those uh, chemical hand warmers uh, just so I can maintain my dexterity for reloads and, and gun manipulation that sort of thing.
0: right? What about you, Coach B? Do you believe the cold weather um, affects your shooting game mentally and physically or not?
2: I would say yes, just because I don't have the mental game going because I'm focused on being cold, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so in between shooting, it's trying to stay warm, get warm, and not necessarily thinking about what I'm going to do on that stage and preparing for that stage.
0: Well, I I, I can relate to that. Um, Even like when I was in the military, because, you know, contrary to what everybody believes, it does get cold over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I remember this one night we had, we was out doing whatever and they they used to take pop shots at us and they're run off and it was like i could barely feel my hands and i'm literally looking and seeing where my hands were and like trying to do whatever but um i was wishing i had like the hand warmers then you know because i was already out of the vehicle for what two and a half hours or something to that effect so i couldn't like get my hands warmed up so i do understand about the dexterity and moving yeah but um even like last year when we were shooting in the winter months we constantly was using the hand warmers so half the time between nancy and stuff they was giving me hand warmers (laughs) so my hands could stay warm and then um coach b she actually bought a few packs of them because it seemed like every time i went to the store i just kept forgetting to get hand warmers. And then all of a sudden, like, Hey, I got these hand warmers for you. Like, Hey, I appreciate that. So I I think that's something that's, um, that you got to look at also, you know, in that regards.
1: Yeah. I'll actually, um, stick one of those hand warmers in the magwell of my gun when I'm not shooting Mm -hmm. because of the metal grip, um, you know, it'll be cold just picking the gun up because it's all metal. <laughs> so oh, wow. I'll stick a hand warmer in the in the grip to kind of keep the gun warm.
0: Did did you find that to help out or
1: it uh, it makes it a little more comfortable? It's not quite as shocking when you pick it up and it's you know twenty degrees or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um what I was doing um in the winter months I just put my jacket on and when I put the jacket on it covered up. You know the firearm also, mm-hmm. so um, and that helped a little bit. But before I was going up to shoot, I would like put my hand on it, and I kept putting my hand on it, then warm my hand up, put my hand back on it, so yeah. I get used to it before going up. What what little tricks and trades did you do in the winter months there, Coach B, to um, get ready to shoot before the timer got off when it was cold?
2: I just use the hand warmers, and. If anyone on our squad had a one of the little portable heaters, I'd kind of sneak over there and get warm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's something I I need to invest in also. Um, a little portable heater, like we I got a fan that we take out to the range with us when we shoot, um, for the summer months. But I I think one of those little portable heaters might work, like a thermal cell or something. That's what I've been looking at getting. I said I was gonna get one last year, but I never did.
1: I actually, I've looked at them too. I'd, I'd like to have one myself, but
0: mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm gonna do something because I don't like the cold weather. Like, no, that. I don't either. <laughs>
1: well, we live in the south.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, um, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break and come on back and let's pick up the main topic of discussion and something I did not too long ago and people actually reacted to it. So. Everybody, please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors.
3: Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've ever tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, HuntersHDGold.com and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon.
0: JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit oak leather securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical.
2: This is Coach B from M-W Tactical.
0: And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is, we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training.
2: Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe.
0: All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for joining us again from the commercial break. And we are still here with the mad scientist, Dave, and Coach B, who is actually still in the seat. She didn't run off this time. So we're going to have to give her a round of applause for that one. Um, What I actually ended up doing not too long ago, I put out an Instagram and Facebook post stating that, hey, give me your phone number or give us a call between this time frame or whatever the case may be. And a few people actually contacted me with their phone numbers and stated that they want to come on the show and talk about whatever it is they wanted to talk about. So the first person who actually contacted me is one of my, well, he wasn't one of my soldiers, but we was in the same platoon. And we was stationed over in Germany together. So we was actually in Afghanistan together and everything. So you can actually hear this guy say how much of a butthole I was. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, everybody keeps saying, like, oh man, you're so laid back and cool. But first hand account, he can actually tell you how I actually was as a leader in the military. So, um on the phone right now, I have Sergeant Gomez. He is still actively in the military and a drill sergeant at Fort Benning right now. So, what's up there, Sergeant Gomez? What's going on with you? Pretty good. Just here in Georgia. Hey, man, living it up, living it up. Actually, if I was, um, if I would have known you was there at Fort Benning, I was there not too long ago with, um, my daughter who is also named the Little Assistant, and I could have like stopped by and said, "What's up to you?" Yeah, I, I didn't
4: realize you came down here or as often as you you do. I mean, I'll be here for the next two, three years, so.
0: Hey, there you got it right there. So, yeah, next next time I'm in the area, I will um hit you up with a text or everything. Yeah, that'll be good, yeah. So, um, you was actually the first person who wrote me off of that post on Instagram stating that, um, you want to go ahead and come on to the show and give it a shot. So, this is your five minutes. <laughs> what would you like to discuss?
4: Uh, let's see. So, right now, um, how are you managing to continue to train with the ammo shortages? I mean, I understand you do the lot or you do the you do your rehearsals or you do your dry fires, but like at some point, pulling that trigger and getting that feedback from the gun is going to help you, or it really gives you the, what you need to improve on. You know what I mean? So how are you dealing with that?
0: Well, for me, what was taking place with me, far as my training went, even when ammo wasn't an issue, I was focusing more on draw fire because I felt like everything that was an issue with me for shooting was mental and actually trying to connect the dots. So one thing I've always said, and I didn't necessarily always said it over the microphone or publicly, but probably to Dave and Coach B and other people who I shoot with, my feet work. I, I, I know I have to focus on my footwork to move a little bit more fluently to get to where how I want to lessen my time when it comes to shooting. So, for me, it was more dry fire practice, and right now i'm I'm working with someone who is working with me as far as my footwork, so I can actually explode a little bit better and all that now, by not being on a trigger as much, I honestly feel the more behind the trigger you are with the live round, you can understand the timing of that firearm better but even if you're not behind it as much. Like, Dave is behind the trigger more than I am. But by me not being behind the trigger as much, when I actually pull the trigger out of match, it might surprise me for the first, you know, two or three rounds. And then once I'm back into my rhythm, it's like no comparison again. I'm just into it again.
4: Is that – so getting that cadence with your gun, you can still do that with a life – or not a life, but a drive – Dry
0: fire, or no, is that no only
4: no. if you're shooting live rounds.
0: Yeah, that's that's only if you're shooting live rounds. Um, everything with dry fire is in between pulling the trigger, you know what I'm saying? So, okay. y- you won't necessarily understand that rhythm unless you're behind the firearm. But because I'm shooting that same firearm all the time, I might. I will not forget the cadence of what my trigger is, but at the same time, I can get faster with my rhythm on the, on the firearm. So the more you shoot it, the faster you're going to get, you know? So for instance, if you look at Dave's video, one pull for me is two pulls for him. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
4: Okay. So you pull the trigger once. He can do it twice.
0: Yeah. Like. Literally, go go look at um go to Instagram and look at a video. Pull up at CSRA Shooters, and when you see Dave shoot, because he's actually shooting a red dot also, um, but I'm shooting iron sights. So after I pull the the trigger, I have to make sure that sight is where I needed to be and pull it. I'm just not pulling it freestyle, whereas he's looking at the red dot, and when he looks at the red dot, even when it's moved he's still tracked. Just like the same thing we was doing over in Afghanistan with the, um, the ACOGs. You know, when you see the Chevron, as long as it's on a target, keep pulling the trigger. That's how Dave is looking at it.
4: Okay. It, that red
0: dot. Yeah. So for me yeah. being iron sights, it's harder for me to track it a little bit, especially with the smoke, depending on how the sun is. And there's more into my equation than it is his equation. So you want to jump right. in on that, Dave?
1: Yeah. So there's, um back to his original questions what what i try to do with with you know limited rounds um, and, and practice is most of you know gun manipulation and um, stuff can be accomplished in with dry fire but when you do there's some stuff you just can't simulate you can't simulate recoil uh, recoil management that sort of thing that has to be you know practiced in, in live fire but when you If you take the time and you're going out to the range to practice with live fire, being conscious of your round count and just focusing on fundamentals, I think um, outside of, of, you know, any other uh, footwork and stuff like Mike was talking about can be done in dry fire. There's no reason really to, to shoot live rounds to work on your footwork when you're, when you're, you know, working on uh, recoil management and that sort of thing, you know, that's something that has to be accomplished in live fire. That's what I try to focus on when I actually do fire live round live rounds are the things that cannot be practiced in dry fire.
4: Okay, so just yeah, just understanding that you should be working on something or focused on something instead of just going out and flinking like every bullet, because you got a hundred, you make a hundred round or you shoot a hundred rounds and every round counts as to improvement and not just more of the going out and shoot just because it's recreationally fun but making every round while you train
1: yeah and it is fun and i wish um we could still do that and just shoot for no reason at all other than just shoot but um you know trying to conserve ammunition in uh you know, still get practice in live fire practice. That's, that's very important, just what you said, making sure you're firing each round and learning from it, um, intentionally practicing something. Um, one or two things really at most um, is, is kind of what I try to do when I go out and just focus on, you know, one or two particular skills, but mostly in just, you know, basic fundamentals, proper trigger pull, um, trigger prep, um side alignment stuff like that
4: do you uh take the time for yourself like the camera and watching the rhythm of your hand your your posture and like nitpicking everything
1: um sometimes yeah um sometimes you can do um you can i do video review of myself um you know some a lot of the stuff i post on instagram and, and youtube and whatnot um you know, I'm using it mostly to just kind of see what I'm doing. And um, yeah, any kind of movement and stuff like that, or, um, you know, weird stuff that's going on with, with my with my hits on target or something like that. Um, sometimes you can pick that up in a video uh, and, and work on it that way. But you can, a lot of that stuff, you know, you can do in dry fire. If you pick up little things that you're doing, you know, in live fire, you can come back, figure out what that is and uh, try to correct it and dry fire and then go back out to the range again um, to confirm You know what you were practicing, what you're working on was actually you know, helping you progress and do, do what you need it to.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, whereas um, the videos that I post, I just don't record myself and post a video, even though I do it after so many matches, but I actually go back and I study the video as far as my movement. And I actually tell myself like, man, I could have got down lower right here, or why did I do this? But at the same time, you know, you're caught up in the moment at that time. So it's just something you can work on to better prepare yourself for the next time. So for instance, um, this a rough example. So say like, if you were to shoot with your shoulders back and your back straight all the time and you hit a corner, but instead of like rolling your shoulders forward and, pie in the corner and stepping around and start shooting that might have been a better situation for that one encounter and that's something i look at myself like when i'm breaking everything down so um it's almost like an after actions review with myself and i make mental notes but then i go back and i start working on different things you know as far as my movement and how do i move but a lot of the training you try to make it universal for everything whereas some things you're gonna to have to do something unorthodox that throw you in a position of being uncomfortable.
4: Okay, and then I mean, with that you just tie everything together, and correct time it just starts falling into place. Mm-hmm. And then so, the the timing aspect of it, as far as like the clock, and that's just something like added pressure, right? Like there, mm-hmm. yep. you're focused time, but the priority is hitting your target.
0: Correct. Well, shot placement on the target.
4: Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can bust time, but still get a good shot, and you're okay.
0: In a sense of speaking. um, Just remember the timing of your scoring goes hand in hand. So look at it from this standpoint. If I hit all alphas, there's no extra time added to my score. But if I hit a Charlie or a Delta, it adds more seconds to my score. Okay, That's, that's yeah. the easiest way to put it for you.
1: Yeah, it's always a balance between the two, um, speed and accuracy. And, and, you know, you can always go faster. You can always be more accurate. It's, um, I don't know, it's never going to be perfect because you can always improve on it. So it, there's always a balance in there. So generally, the faster you go, the worse your accuracy is going to be. Um, so you just got to figure out that balance. It's a constant fight there.
0: Yeah. So, um, Hey, Sergeant Gomez, um, coach B want to ask you a question. All
2: right. So my question is, how was Michael as a leader? Hmm. Uh,
4: so initially, we, you can be we honest.
2: Had, you can be honest.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm on the phone and so it'd be fine. So anyway, we, uh, we kind of knew about him. because He was in our platoon before he came to our platoon, and uh, when he had showed up, we were kind of like, "Man, we really don't know how to approach this guy because we don't really, we don't know it other than what first platoon had told us." But uh, once he came to the platoon, he was very, very professional, quiet. Um, didn't really, uh, didn't tell. He was upset until he pulled you aside like that. He was very professional. From what I remember like it's been since, almost 10 years ago
0: mm-hmm.
4: but I never saw him like acting out. I never saw him uh disrespecting like higher of man or anything. He's really professional. So I mean that's pretty much it. Okay. He was, uh, I think he was another he was like fourth squad leader or third squad leader.
0: I can't remember how it was in that platoon because I know when um, when I was in first platoon, I think we did it first platoon, or well, first squad was the dismount. First and second squad was the dismount. And I think when I came to your platoon, they did it backwards. Third and fourth squad was the dismounts. If I remember correctly, I can't remember. Each platoon does it differently, so.
1: Sounds like you're a good leader.
0: Well, my whole thing, was, well, you know, like when you're getting on a soldier, they, they call you the butthole because you're getting on them.
1: Well, but, sure. Yeah. But, but my that's... whole thing
0: was, um, I never believed in disciplining somebody in front of other people. Right. So if I have a problem with you, I'm going to pull you to the side, discipline you then, but everybody knowing that I'm saying something to you, but if you did something good in front of everybody, I'm giving you accolades in front of everybody so every, so you can get your props. That's pretty much what it comes down to.
1: You know? I, I think that's a uh, good leadership skill, um, in my opinion. I like that. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, like, um, if I was to embarrass anybody, it was out of fun. Like, we would joke around because, you know, we had enough time. We joked around a lot. But um, as far as disciplining and correcting people, no, I, I do that in private. But if you did something good, I'm gonna give you props publicly and make sure everybody recognizes you. So that's that's just how I was as a person. Um, the same way I wanted to be treated when I was a private, but I wasn't afforded that. So I've always said, when I become a leader, this is how I'm gonna be. So the same way um, my dad and my grandparents used to discipline me also. If I messed up in public, they never embarrassed me in public. You know, because de- embarrassing somebody in public, it takes away from you w- of respect when other people look at you.
1: Yeah, you no, know. I agree.
0: So um, that's how I look at it. So, Sergeant Gomez, you got anything else you want to share with the good people? Uh No, I
4: mean, I think I got it all out. I mean, I, I, I should have written this stuff down if I would have been at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, put notes or, put more from, or ask better questions, but
0: no, man, trust me. No, we that's don't, it.
4: Uh, we'll see from we the next one.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll bring you back on the show anytime you want to come on the show, man. Like I said, you got my number. So, um you know you got that first line um connect. You can always come on here. All
4: right. Yeah. I mean, I have your phone number saved in my phone. I didn't even know
0: it. <laughs> well, it has been a minute since we last spoke, so.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, so but,
4: 2010, 11.
0: Yeah, something like that. it's, it's like I said it is been a while so but um without further ado man let me um let me go ahead and continue with the show and if anything like i said i'll just give you a call back um later on today or we just um talk through um text like we did before
4: all right sounds good take care and uh good luck to your
0: team hey i appreciate that take care sergeant
1: gomez thank you thank you for being on the Uh, show
0: yeah man so that was um sergeant gomez like i said we was over in afghanistan together and um uh, There's a funny story with him that I can tell you about um, uh, when we we're actually uh, just us.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> um, but let um, me see. We can make another phone call if you want, or we can um, just push forward with the show. So I, I'll let you and Coach B make that decision. <laughs> who, who are we going to call? Let's call somebody. All right. On. You want to call somebody? I
2: think that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I I think it is also. Um, And
2: something different. Yeah.
0: um, But then, too, you know, I like talking with people. So when I was a kid, my brother, he used to always joke on me and say, like, how I could just talk to anybody. And one thing I used to do was, like, I would um, literally talk to the bums on the street, like the homeless you know, and just start a conversation. What are you like, dude? You could literally just talk with anybody. <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, I won't say it's the gift of gab. I I will say <laughs> that um, once you do that, like start talking to people. Um, along that standpoint, it kind of educates you, but at the same time, it educates you. It opens your eyes to a different world depending on how you come in at that conversation.
1: You know oh, so. yeah it could for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: I've never had the gift of gab as Coach B put it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> well I've always been one
0: who was always looking for answers. So so let's go ahead and make this next phone call. This person's name is Alex. So Alex actually wrote me on Instagram also and stated like he wanted to come on to the show, but there's a twist with Alex. So he's actually being mentored by our buddy Jay Bill. Oh, okay. Yeah, so but the two never met before, so their whole um, interaction has been over social media, you know, so let's go ahead and give him a call right quick, like and see what happens. This is pretty good. Hey Alex, how's it going for you? Good, how about you? I'm doing great. This is Michael Woodland with M-W Tactical and right now you're currently on the M-W Tactical podcast. Awesome. Nice, nice. So we had um, a nice little discussion last night going over the chats, but um, I was in the middle of doing something when I was talking with you. So it was a little back and forth from with me going three ways so but as i stated i want to bring you on to the podcast and um get your views and your questions whatever you
1: have um you want to ask
0: awesome yeah what's,
1: what's up on? alex this is david how are so, you good you dude i'm doing well
2: hi alex this is coach b hey coach b hi <laughs> <laughs> so
0: like you said last night when we was chatting you made the comment that um you are new to the podcast and actually jay bill was the one who referred you to listen to us
5: oh yeah he uh he put me out some uh, new p- podcast recommendations about a week mm-hmm. ago and I-, I listened to one and then i jumped on yours and i'm really liking
0: it hey that's it right there like i said we really oh, do appreciate cool. that and <laughs> we're actually going to be bringing Jay bill on in the upcoming weeks. So it's just a matter of getting his schedule and our schedule synced up. Whereas we can actually make this happen. Now you actually also stated in that same conversation that, um, he is actually helping you mentoring you through shooting from a distance and it has worked for you. So, do you care to share like how's this communication process between you two going? Is it over zoom or is it phone call or through social media? Yep. Uh,
5: Jay and I started communicating back, back in November over Instagram when I followed Jay forever on Instagram, since I first listened to him on the modern samurai project podcast, when uh, Scott Jedlinski had him on and Jay, you know, as most of us should know is, He runs a goat farm essentially with him and his wife, and he's building a house, he's raising a young kid. So I asked him, Jay, how do you put 100% into whatever you're doing? Because he seems like he's split a lot of different ways with what he's focused on, but he's still performing at the very top level in character Mm optics. He's like, he told me with winning in mind. So he was nice enough to send me his copy. And I actually got to read it and then we discussed and talked about a lot of things and he's helping me with my mental game and my uh, self-image a lot.
1: Those are, those are huge things. Uh, mm-hmm. those are, those are great. It's, um, I think, and I don't know what Jay said, um, about that, but yeah, I think being able to just, I don't, I don't know, mental management, I'm sure, you know, um, that was discussed and I think that helps me um at least stay focused on whatever I'm doing at right at that time uh, without uh you know letting distractions come in um take me away from from whatever it is that I'm working on at the moment uh it's not easy when you're being pulled from every other you know all different directions
5: and it really helps like for me now that I've got read the book and kind of put it into practice it's being able to compartmentalize my life and be like, if I'm at work, I'm at work. That's all I'm focusing on. Or if I'm with my family, it's what I'm doing. Or Mm -hmm. I'm in my dry fire session. I try to stick to staying in the dry fire. But with that, I also compartmentalize my dry fire into smaller sessions to keep me focused on my dry fire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was that same way. Like when I was overseas, Um, when I was overseas, I only focused on overseas i didn't care about anything that was going on in the states it was okay i'm over here this is where it is so mm-hmm. you know so i can actually relate to that and everything else like you said is a distraction so if you're doing dry fire if your phone rings do you answer the phone or do you just continue to dry draw fire mm-hmm.
5: it was absolutely and i'm pretty bad i can't i can't answer the phone and dry fire but both of them they don't get the same amount of uh attention if you do that
0: correct yes it's more of a distraction because like i said the mental aspect of it is um it pulls you away and now it's something else you're thinking about whatever just happened and you know it kind of messes up your mojo Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: most of my draw fire takes place um at the wee hours of the morning, so no one calls me because no one else is awake. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about the phone ringing at three thirty in the morning when I'm practicing. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: that's a great way to look at it. I might have to. Well, I don't know. I don't like waking up
1: early. So. <laughs> I don't know. You know up that early is not on the
5: not on the block.
1: <laughs> it, it took me a couple months to get used to it. Now it's just part of my routine, but it was mm-hmm. a conscious decision I made, um, mainly because well because some of the distractions. I thought that I would come home from work in the afternoon, you know, have a couple hours to to work on things and, and you know, focus on dry fire. And it rarely did it did it work out the way I planned in the afternoon. There's always stuff going on for me in the afternoon, stuff coming up, you know, throughout the day that would interfere with my dry fire plans. So now I get up before anyone else is awake. There's no one there to interfere. Uh, with my drive wire and I can give it, you know, the full attention that, that I want. Mm-hmm. And Mike Woodland isn't calling me, asking <laughs> me questions at 3.30. Right <laughs> <laughs> <He> might now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like, I said, he
0: likes to wake up that early. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, is there anything else you want to share with the good people about your adventure and shooting? Because you said you are a C-class shooter in carry optics. You just started Mm -hmm. shooting in September, so what is your actual setup um, before we actually depart? So what is your red dot, and what is your firearm?
5: My CO firearm is a Glock 17 Gen 5. It's the MOS model, and I'm actually running a Trijicon RMR, RMO6, so it's a 3.25 dot with a CNH weapons plate on it.
0: Hmm. Classics. i wouldn't know yeah i don't know anything about this i was gonna ask dave if he could yeah, uh, yeah that's
1: that's a seems like a perfect setup it's an inexpensive way to get into carry optics it sounds perfect nice nice okay. you can you can spend twenty five hundred dollars on a co gun if you want to but <laughs> i that's don't know either. that it really helped you shoot any better yeah it's not really necessary right <laughs> All right. So Alex,
0: what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and um, lock your number into my phone and um, I will be calling you back on future episodes and just get your input and things that you want to talk about when it's related to shooting.
5: Awesome. That'd be sweet.
0: Hey, all right. I do appreciate that. So thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah. Thanks, Alex.
1: Nice to meet you. Yep. Yep. Nice to meet you guys. And thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, you're more than welcome. All right. So, um, like I said, I, I do like this this little feature, new feature that we have. Yeah, it's actually
1: something different with
0: the, the listeners. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so um, going forward with conversation, you know, USPSA, they're actually starting a new division in a sense of speaking with two gun and it's going to be a, a handgun and PCC. And in June, they're going to have the two-gun PCC Nationals. So I didn't know anything about this until, what, two or three days ago? And when I read up on it, I'm like, okay, is this going to be a match that's going to be by itself? Or can you actually incorporate it with a regular USPSA match? And it's going to be different.
1: Yeah, I heard Mike Foley, the USPSA president, talking about something that they were working on last year. He didn't say what it was. This was the first time, you you know, we've heard about the two-gun, uh, what, what do they call it? Two-gun nationals? Is that what they're doing?
0: Yeah, well, they're calling it two-gun PCC nationals. Okay. Yeah, so um, I guess they're still working on a name for it, but when before i got into the competition circuit in south carolina going to the various places that we frequent all the time in north carolina two gun was very big like three years ago and like two or three times a month you can find a match in north carolina that was doing two gun and a lot of it was saying like an ar platform rifle and then whatever handgun you have Mm -hmm. And I signed up for one, and when I was going up to, to it, my uncle had an emergency, so I had to make a detour to Charlotte, so I never went to go shoot the match. But I shot, like, two gun matches when I was in the military, but it was different places. Like, one was in Arkansas, and I think the other one was in Texas. And it was very different. It was almost like the three-gun complex without the shotgun. <clears throat>
1: Yeah. And the the shotgun is kind of drives some people away from like the three gun matches. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, depending on your shotgun, but majority of them, there's a lot of reloading, you know, shotgun shells one at a time, (laughs) one at a time. Here's another one. (laughs) There's a lot involved in running a shotgun. And I I think that kind of, you know, deters people sometimes from three gun. So the two gun thing is, uh, it's not new. You know, I've shot several of them also, uh, you know, with rifle rifle caliber and pistol. Um, but this is an interesting kind of twist on it because it's both pistol caliber and mm-hmm. the, the, the two gun matches that I've shot have been outlaw, um, matches. So the, so the rules are just kind of made up, you know, by whoever's running the match. And I think this is kind of interesting because it's going to be, it's going to follow USPSA rules. Yeah. So if, if it kind of, if it takes on and, and gains some popularity, you will be able to shoot these two gun matches anywhere in the country under the same rule set, which is one of the things that I really like about USPSA. You can go to any match anywhere in the country and you know what to expect, which is not always the case with a outlaw match.
0: So um coach B had hit me up um I want to say it was like over the summertime we we had a conversation it was we was coming back from one match or going to one match and I had made the comment to her that I wanted to actually try PCC for a couple matches and see how I like it and you know she was making some valid points but as I expressed to her it will be just like it was in the military with me, the same type of training, running around with mm-hmm. you know, a rifle. But this one is shooting not millimeter versus you know the two two three or five five six we were shooting. But she also made the comment that she wanted to learn how to shoot the AR platform, which I will think would help her out for um, PCC if she was interested in that.
1: Oh yeah, if you have a gun set up the same way, a lot of them are, you yeah. know. Per- some of them actually are ARs that are just re, you know, rechambered nine millimeter, but yeah, that would be perfect practice for that.
0: Yeah. So what would be your take on this coach B in regards to the two gun PCC nationals?
2: I think it would be fun. PCC is something that I think that would be my next adventure. Um, I like shooting the limited just because that goes hand in hand with the, with my EDC. But um, the PCC, I think that would be fun just because it's a different pace, maybe. Um, so I would be interested in it.
0: Yeah. You know, like looking at um Stephanie Crane when she first started doing PCC and I figured she was just going to do it and just uh, take a break from shooting, you know, limited.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, Man, I thought she, the same thing.
0: Yeah, she she dove in head first and was like, oh, I'm not coming back.
1: <laughs> she really started to enjoy it. And uh, that's I think it's great. Whatever it is, you know, whatever division you're shooting, if you're enjoying it, that's going to keep, you know, bringing you back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she, She's been rocking it. She's been, she's been killing it, though, out there, you know, doing it on the PCC. And I wonder, since there are a lot of people who come to the local matches that do PCC, would this be something that would interest them, you know, and or would the other handgun associated with it being the two gun deter them from doing this?
1: I don't know. I think it, it gives you an option, um, that you wouldn't normally have at at a two gun or three gun match because you can have a PCC, uh, gun set up that takes the same magazines as your pistol. And and you could really run the same ammunition in both of them as well, um, you know. Factory stuff. You you know, if you're going to handload stuff, you may want to run run different handloads. But you could pick up a out of the box pistol, out of the box PCC, handful of magazines, factory ammo, and run run away with it. it um, same same magazines in, in the PCC as the pistol. Same ammo. Same mag pouches. Um, mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I, I think it might be a might be a fun option.
0: Yeah, I do. I do believe that. Um, like when I was reading up on it, what I gathered was the humanoid USPSA targets. Those will be used for the handgun, and the Ipsic octagon shape um, targets will be mm-hmm. for PCC, and still will be written in the stage brief as to which firearm you would use to shoot the steel so just reading that little bit it was like somebody put some thought into this and they're making it like challenging in a sense it's just not hey go out there and just shoot 80 targets with two firearms uh, they yeah actually put some um strategic value into
1: it so so that's good. That adds something to the state for the stage designers as well. If you look at it from that standpoint, if you're using steel, you all, you can't always shoot, you know, all the steel with a rifle caliber because you can put a hole in it. If it's not rifle rated steel, we have a lot of pistol steel out there that you don't want to shoot with a rifle, but these are both pistol calibers. So you can do a lot more with, with steel and activators and, and, you know, poppers and stuff and not worry about, you know, getting your steel shot up. So it's, it's interesting idea.
0: Yeah. So um, registration for this two gun PCC nationals will open up on one March and they're doing a two day format for this AM PM format. And they're going to be doing this five through six June. And I think on four June is like staff day. But five through six June is when competitors who are not working the event will be able to shoot. So um, I'm curious to know how this is going to pin. I'm going to follow this really close because I think but, this new avenue of approach is part of that snowball effect with the sport of shooting, as we talked about before.
1: I think it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then you might be getting a PCC soon. Is that what is that what it sounds like?
0: Yeah, that's what it sounds. I remember mean, <laughs> too. I've, I've said beforehand I wanted to get a PCC. Back when I first said I wanted to get a PCC, um I wanted to get the um, the Taran Tactical. The one they did was SIG, The MPX, mm-hmm. and then converted it over through um, his setup. But everyone who had that PCC was saying it's a pain because. Like the carbon buildup, you literally have to sit down and really clean it. And, oh,
1: but man, when when it is clean and running, there is nothing yeah. like it. It is so smooth. Yeah, but it does what, require a lot of maintenance. Yeah,
0: and that's what uh, everybody who has one said the same exact. Nobody said nothing different. Everybody said the same thing about that same firearm. And then the next one I was looking at was um the J P Morgan. And then after that was lead star. And it seems like everyone is really favoring the Led star over all the PCC rifles that I've seen at like the past couple uh, major matches we went to.
1: Well, lead star is one of the title sponsors for the SC section championship though. I'm sure they'll bring out some of their PCCs um, for anybody wants to check them out. Uh, yeah, actually they may they, even bring some ammo and let you shoot some. of them.
0: Yeah, they, they actually said they was going to have um, a table where you could shoot the side match with um, the PCC rifle they have. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have it, whereas you can actually put a couple rounds down and just get a comparison, Good. how much you feel for it and everything.
1: Yeah, they've done that before. I wasn't sure what they had planned for this year.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and that was just um,
0: a little conversation between um, Mike Sexton and myself. Um, he was asking the question and could they set up a side match with it? So um, And I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that and everything and it would only make sense to if somebody is interested into that Okay, let them shoot at least five rounds through it and make a determination and yeah, you know, yeah. take From that standpoint so coach B that might be your opportunity to actually shoot a PCC rifle and say hey I want this <laughs>
2: <laughs> so i need to start saving
0: my money now hey uh how much the? let me see what a pcc rifle will run about how much a oh, lead star
1: lead star they're they're kind of on their custom end of so I, I think they're around 900 a grand something like that yeah i was gonna say it's under 15 so that's yeah not, I, I just uh, said there's, there's a lot of options there's so many options with pccs Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can really do just about anything you want to to the gun. Um, So you can spend just about as much as you want to as well. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. Now, um, also the winter months are amongst us. So one thing everybody has to understand is when the winter months come, the way you dress is going to be different. Now, at the same time, if you're someone who actually carries every day or carry on occasion, whatever fits your schedule or your reasonings, understand that the way you carry in the winter months are going to change as well, you know, so just something to be cautious about. Um, Remember, you might have a jacket on now or a thicker sweater or, you know, layered pants. So you might change the option of the way you carry or If you always carry appendix carry, you might carry outside the belt, but your jacket is covering the firearm now. So something to keep in mind and just remember however you decide to carry, just make sure you practice and you are aware. Don't be someone who only practices appendix carry and now because you're layered up, you decide to put your holster on your hip outside the waistband. And now when something happens, you're grabbing for the appendix yeah. and you forgot that it was on your hip. So guns in a different place. Yeah, get get that repetition in and um you know how that goes for effect. Speaking of, you know, how you actually carry, um, we never had a female we asked this on the show about because everybody always carries appendix carry or on their lower hip somewhere. So Coach B, do you carry your firearm? in your purse in any way or how do you carry if you want to share that
2: and I, I would say i never carry in my purse um just because one i don't really like carrying a purse but whenever i do i usually carry appendix um just because that seems more comfortable to me um i think with my clothing options you know whatever i'm wearing for the day if i can't carry appendix then i will carry my purse but my firearm is always in a holster and clipped in a certain spot in my purse Hmm, okay well you know
1: it's good i've always i mean women you know generally have more considerations uh as far as concealed carry goes um because of, of clothing, you know, different clothing options and stuff. I was always curious about that. A lot of, uh, you know, women I've talked to about carrying that they, they do want to carry in their purse. And I think it's great that you don't typically carry in your purse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i much rather have the gun on my body, on me. Right. Um, a lot of the times a purse is a target yes. for, for, you know, thieves, uh, purse snatchers or, 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 you know, whatever, Someone runs up behind you, snatches a purse. Now they've just disarmed you also. Right. Um, so I, it was nice to hear that you don't normally carry in a purse.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's something that um, I've always told people that if you were like at a restaurant and if you're somebody who puts your purse on the ground or behind a chair, somebody grabs your purse, not only do they have all your information and what money you have that's in the purse, credit cards or cash that firearm is in there also, you know, so pretty much everything that's essential to you is now in the hands of somebody else. But I never really had a conversation with females as to how they carry other than coach B and then the people who we shoot with, you know, so I've always been wanting to target females and get their perception of how they carry and why so. And of course, you know, half the stuff Coach B actually does is something we've talked about in conversation. And she made a choice as to which one worked better for, you know, over the options we have. But I do like to get the female perspective on how they carry and why.
1: Yeah, it's very different. I mean, body type can can change that too. Um, You know, everybody might not be able to carry appendix, uh, just might might not work for them. But there, there are a lot of options out there, so um, definitely need to explore them. Make sure you, you get what's right for you, something that's comfortable, even though you know, a, carrying a gun is not really supposed to be comfortable, but it will help ensure that you do carry it um, if you do have a little bit of a more comfortable option. Yeah,
0: so, now you're not one that actually wears loose fitting clothing like sweatpants and baggy jeans or anything like that but by you wearing pretty much form-fitting, comfortable clothing for your lifestyle, do you find it challenging in any type way to conceal?
2: Yes, um, just because um, wearing the fitted clothes, it's hard to conceal appendix style for me anyway. just because I think I'm more of a thinner person. So there's not really an option to hide the firearm and I don't like wearing jackets in the winter. So um, that's a little more difficult. I know wearing the, um, the like the belly bands or corset. I have one, but honestly I haven't used it. It still has the tag on it. Just because um, I tried it on and just, you know, putting the firearm in and pulling it out with my body shape, it just seemed a little awkward. Um, and maybe it's just something I need to practice with. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Anytime you do anything new, you have to get used to it. So you, you have to give that honest assessment a couple weeks or a couple months before you rule it out. Um, I know one thing, a lot of people, like four people hit me up on this that I can clearly remember within one month, the shoulder holsters that's rest under your armpit. And I'm not a big fan of those, even though in the movies, it looks cool. But the main reason why I'm not a big fan of the shoulder holster is when you pull it out, you're sweeping everyone (laughs) at a 45 degree angle until you point the target. I mean, point the firearm at the target, you know? So that's one reason I'm not a big fan of it. Um, Pulling it out the firearm out of that holster being under your armpits, it's moving around much. So normally it would take two hands or some type of body positioning to pull it out that, Will put you up more of a disadvantage so there's a lot of negative factors that go into that one that i'm not in agreement with
1: you know i tried it when i was when i was trying to figure out what was going to work for me is for carry options i tried the shoulder holster there and it i don't know I, I it didn't work for me either um i finally settled on appendix carry um and that's what that's the way i've been carrying for years now right but, um it could be an option um I don't know. I don't really like the idea of sweeping everyone when I'm pulling the gun out of the holster either, but (laughs) I have tried the belly band and and I do use it on occasion, but my appendix rig now clips onto a belt. So if I don't have a belt on, I can't use that setup, but the the belly band still allows me to carry appendix. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm wearing jogging shorts or something, when I'm out exercising, um, I will use the belly band. Um, it still allows me, you know, the same placement of my firearm. So, I uh, essentially, you know, I'm like you mentioned before, if you, if you're wearing an outside the waistband holster because of, you know, the winter months, um, the belly band and appendix is still same gun placement. So, um, it's similar draw stroke, a little bit different trying to get in, into the belly band to draw from, but at least the guns in the same place. Those are the two, the only two options that I, um, that I use now. Yeah, so um, I'm
0: actually actually sometimes in the winter months I do play around with outside of the waistband, but it's only because I'm wearing a coat, you know, like a big coat and it covers everything. But I'm layered up also, and um, but those are the two that I dance around with when I can still carry. Yeah.
2: Dave, have you tried like the fabric clip?
1: Uh, no, I have not.
2: Okay. That's what Um, I use. Um, Like I switch back and forth with the one for the belt. And then mm -hmm. I have one that has a fabric clip, which you could wear with jogging pants. Or, you know, if you didn't have a belt, Mm
1: -hmm. you could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't tried that.
0: Yeah. I've seen her play around with it a few times and I never tried. I mean, I did it just to see what it was about, but I never walked around with it, but I don't like wearing pants without a belt. I have to have a belt on, you know. So, but she's always like she doesn't like to wear belts. So that's one of those measures. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's so uh, m- most women don't, as far as, you know, right? Just because of their attire, whatever they don't have belt loops on their pants, and you know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you can't. It's hard to wear a belt without belt loops. So
2: yeah. <laughs> so, um,
0: let's do this. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break and drink some water even though it is in the winter months make sure you drink water especially if you're outside because it's cold outside doesn't mean not to drink water you have to stay hydrated so um, it's very important so please stay in your seats turn up the volume on your headsets and your radios and here are a few words from our sponsors
3: Hey, this is Brian Conley with Hunters HD Gold, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast.
0: What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical.
2: The Gun Cleaners.
6: Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry.
2: The Gun Cleaners.
6: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there.
2: The Gun Cleaners.
5: And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process
0: that you have there.
2: Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com.
6: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesman, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAETransfers, Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
3: I'm Jason Pratt, Master Class USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc.com at gmail.com.
0: Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical.
2: This is Coach B from M-W Tactical.
0: And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is, we are making a professional movie, and it's going to be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training.
2: Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe.
0: All right, good people. We're back at it again, and this portion of the show is when we actually do the interview portion. So this person is a friend of Dave and myself and he shoots, you know, around the same matches that we shoot in the area in South Carolina and Georgia that we frequent all the time. And there was a few conversation points that, you know, Dave and myself made, whereas I am looking going to go into carry optics I just don't know much about carry optics so it is still a research portion for me but this person ever since I've known him has been doing carry optics, and his improvements are remarkable in a sense of speaking so without further ado I want to welcome Eli to the M-W Tactical Podcast what's going on Eli?
7: hey Mike how you doing
0: (laughs) all right all right um you are one that of course you speak to Dave probably about as much as I do but you actually go to the range with him a little bit more because like I use Dave as a reference point with anything for shooting you do the same thing I'm taking it
7: I do absolutely i I Asked him a lot about dry firing, uh, improvement in speed, transition, and, and I've improved a lot just by applying the things he's taught me and just running the drills uh, at home and dry firing. So it's, it's been working out great.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So now let me ask you why carry optics? Because, you know, like a lot of times when people first come into shooting, if they don't know, they normally tend to go to like production. But once you do it, then it might lead to limited. But why carry optics for you?
7: So I, I had a Glock 19 with just a RMR on it. And uh, I, was, I carried that gun and I said, you know what, let me, let me go try to shoot to a match with it. And I went to Pine Tucky and uh, I'm a big big fan of red dots on pistols, uh, same with red dots on, on rifles. And, uh, I found carry optics to be, uh, kind of my, my home in USPSA <laughs> and, uh, and I just stuck with it. I did, I did shoot limited for maybe a month and, uh, I was like, no, nah, I got to go back to carry optics.
1: <laughs> the red dot is, is so much fun. Um, whatever it's on, <laughs> I think it it is. it's it's my favorite sighting system. There is man, it's, it's. It's the reason that you know it brings me back. I like shooting a red dot, it keeps keeps me coming back. But you have definitely um grown uh, leaps and bounds with your with your shooting and uh competition shooting. Um just over the last like six months, man, it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um everybody's taken notice of it too. Um <laughs> It's, it's been good. Yeah.
0: Like the, the last match we shot at, um, MCRC that you did. And I was watching you shoot that stage that had the three little stills in front of the no shoots. And like, you pretty much cleaned out and smooth. And I was like, Oh, wow, you I really did stuff the game up a little bit. Like I get it. I like it. And, to, and
7: honestly, it's and I mean, everybody's uh, hurting from the ammo shortage. So I've upped my dry fire a lot and, uh, when I first started shooting, I thought, you know, I can just get better at matches. And then talking to David, he goes, no, you, you got to put in the work every night, at, you know, dry firing, doing different drills. And um, what I started doing, too, is looking at my videos and picking one thing for a week to work on and uh, see if I can improve at the match and then figure out what I did bad at the match and then just start working on that again every week. So uh, it's, it's Dry firing.
0: <laughs> yeah, so obviously, how much draw fire do you actually do?
7: Uh, I try to get at least three to four nights uh, a week. I'm, some sometimes I'll be able to do it every night. Uh, sometimes with work, it goes down to maybe one or two nights. Um, but I, I started realizing that if I could just walk into the room, my little gun room, dry fire room, and dry fire for 10, 15 minutes, work on one thing. It's it's better than trying to do an hour session uh, every day.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that one. Because when I first started doing dry fire, I was trying to knock out like a two hour session at one time. And I probably did it the first two or three days of doing it. And then when I was like, okay, I'm gonna look at this as exercising. You don't have to exercise for an hour straight. You can break it up and get the same results. So um, yep. what I would actually do is like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, <laughs> and I just break <laughs> it up in chops. Or, you it's know.
1: it's hard to uh, stay focused, I think, yeah. for yeah. two hours and then working on dry fire. It's hard for, for me to stay focused on dry fire for an hour at a time.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: But breaking it up yeah. into small sections, I think it, it allows you to stay focused on whatever that particular thing is that you're working on and then you're focused the entire time, um, you know, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes. Right. Absolutely.
2: Eli, where do you see yourself in shooting?
7: Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'd shot Kerioptis for the longest. and I I think I'm going to, I'm thinking I'm going to stick with it, uh, for, for the future. Um, I really want to make, uh, mastering carry optics is kind of kind of my goal. Um, I, I know I need to work on um, kind of getting faster. I know everybody says that, but it's uh, maybe just more a little bit smoother in, in my shooting and my flow. Uh, talking to David at some matches, uh, some pointing out where I can cut down some time that I'm not doing anything at this stage, but I think I'm going to stick with carry optics for the longest and uh, try to the goal is to make master and then start to be able to be competitive at the level two matches, uh, not just at
1: local matches.
2: All right. Do you see open in your future?
1: We tried open, uh, we tried open, uh, pine tucky over the weekend. How'd that go? Yeah. I did. It, it did not work out
7: very well to me.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> I shot, I
7: shot open, uh, uh, David let me borrow one of his guns and, you know, because Open is a big investment. It's a huge investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I asked David, you know, he said, well, shoot one of my guns before you put all that money in. And I, I thought it was going to be very similar to carry optics. It, it, was, it was quite a bit different. Uh, so I, I thought about Open, but I, th- I think carry optics, if uh, I don't, I'm not a big guy on maintaining and cleaning every single, ma- after every single match. Uh, so I think carry optics might be a little bit more forgiving. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, <So. laughs>
0: when, you, when you said that, um, when you compared the two, carry optics and open, what was the big thing that you found to be the difference between the two other than the size of the firearm? I, I think
7: how the, the the red the red dot works in relation to the gun. Uh, I went back and watched a lot of my videos yesterday and I was shooting, uh, the red dot, as if it was on a carry optics gun, and not on an open an open gun. I think you you got to be a little bit faster when you're shooting because the dot doesn't move as much as, as carry optics, um, and it's definitely a lot more speed game than carry optics thing. Although carry optics, I mean, there's some people that you know are doing great things with it.
1: Oh, you know, put- the the Thank timing you. is different between the guns, and I think that's what you oh. you are, are used to your. Timing of the carry optics gun, and you were shooting that same timing with the open gun. So it would right. just take some. If you were shooting open, it would just take some more practice to get used to the timing. It's a little faster, but absolutely
0: nice. Nice. So um, yeah, like I said um, beforehand, I am looking to um, possibly dive into carry optics to take a break from um, limited, but. I don't know what direction to go with it yet. You know, so I have my eye on a few sites, um, meaning Mm -hmm. the um, RMR. And a lot of people was writing me like, why did you choose this one? Why don't you look at this and think about this? And it was was like six different emails and people are breaking it down (laughs) for me. And I was like, Hey, I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, But once again, that goes back into the community of everybody sharing the knowledge to possibly make your venture that more pleasurable and to make you a better shooter overall so and that's one thing I do like about the shooting community how everybody is willing to share the knowledge of what they know and what research they've done to alleviate somebody spending thousands of dollars mm-hmm. before they actually okay um, I don't want to do open but Karyoptis is going to be where I want to be at
7: uh, absolutely. I I kind of have some friends at work that asked me to come out to their first match. And they asked me, you know, what should I buy? What gun? And I always, my my answer is always come out with whatever you have. If you don't have something, let me know. Uh, just come out and, and a lot of people are gonna let you look at their gear, check out their guns, safe table, even let you fire their, their gun. That way like you said, instead of dumping a lot of money at first, you know where you, what you want to do. So it's it's definitely some of the friendliest people and some of the best friends I've made shooting this this sport.
0: Right. Now, um, you said that your firearm is a Glock that you shoot carry optics with.
7: That that's the well, that was my first match uh, oh, okay. that I shot with. I I shoot with the uh, Sig uh, X Five Legion. Uh, with a trijicon uh, SRO as my red
0: dot. Okay. So now that brings forth the next question being, how did you make the determination of what firearm to put the red dot on? Or did you just say, okay, I like this firearm and I'm just going to put the red dot on it.
7: Uh, So I I was shooting with my CZ P10 a few matches, and then the Legion came out and, uh, and honestly, it was it was an impulse buy. <laughs> with the the gun store that I that I go to, he he messaged me. He goes, "Hey, I got a Legion," so I said, "Let's do it." I picked it up because I saw a lot of a lot of uh, people shooting the regular X5 and doing well with it in competition. And uh, I'm a big guy on uh, keeping my firearms stock. I don't replace triggers. I don't replace anything. Uh, and then the Legion came out almost almost ready for competition without having to change anything on it
0: so now i i understand what you said about keeping everything stock for like for me like back in the day when i used to buy a vehicle the first thing i usually would do was change the rims tent the windows put a system in the vehicle right <laughs> now today when you buy a vehicle ness you don't necessarily have to do all that because right. the industry caught up with the trend so now, all you really got to do is tent the windows, <laughs> you know, and right. be- beforehand, you ain't got to do that. You just hit a button and the windows will tent, you know, in the next yeah. generation cars. So um, what is like for me, I was the same way when I was in the firearms until I sent off my Smith & Wesson and had some custom work done to it. And when I got it back, the trigger was a lot smoother. So now... I am more open to doing custom work on the firearm if I feel it can help my performance. So what is your determining factor to only keep it stock or is it more mainly an investment or just your intake? What, what would it be? Your reason?
7: Uh, I value reliability over, over anything else. So to me, if, if I think that my, my firearm is extremely reliable the way it is and it's not holding me back, I would rather keep it stock to guarantee my reliability over putting aftermarket parts, and I'm sure a lot of aftermarket parts are probably just as reliable, even more reliable. But uh, t- to me, just keeping it stock and running in the way the way it was, and um, I don't, I don't think it's it's holding me back. I sometimes I like to put a different trigger in it, but then I say, you know what, it's it's, it's just fine. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. I got gotcha. you. So, it's boring. <laughs> well, I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, for instance, um, when I got my STI, and when Dave was watching me shoot, he was like, yo, I think you're ready for a lighter trigger. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what the poundage was. And before you know it, I was getting DQ'd. (laughs) So I I was wrong. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So then I I was like, hey, uh, we need to do something here. And then um, he put a heavier trigger in and I got real accustomed to that heavy trigger. And then when we went to like um, a 2.5 pound trigger, what, after what, seven, eight months of the heavy trigger? And one match I was like, Oh Lord, it got away from, me." (laughs) but you know, it wasn't a DQ, but I actually picked it back up and I was more cautious about what I was doing. Now I'm at a point, whereas I feel more confident with the 2.5, you know? So yeah, so I I can understand what you're saying um, about that as well.
1: I don't know what stock means. I can't understand that at all. (laughs) (laughs) just I want to do everything I can to the gun I don't know I just I have fun playing around with the guns and, and changing stuff and trying different stuff that's just me um well you know I um, have to do that
0: Coach B actually shot a, a carry optic firearm uh, last summer I think it was we was at the taco commander's house and we was doing like a little practice session and one of another friend that was out there shooting, he was looking to sell his CZ and she actually shot it. And I thought for a moment, she was going to be like, Oh, I want to go carry optics. But (laughs) what was your experience shooting that, um, carry optics there, coach B? I
2: really liked it. Um, it was fun. I can see doing that. Um, I think kind of my thing is, is I like shooting limited, just because it, it all goes back to my everyday carry. Um, so mm-hmm. that's a lot of the reason for me shooting is to keep that practice and to be able to carry and know that I'm ready if need be. Um, but I, I think carry optics would be a good alternative. Between that and PCC, I think I'm kind of rocking back and forth at some point to try either one of those. Um, so one day I may have to borrow someone's carry optics and just try it.
0: <laughs> no, I got you on that one. Um, I can't remember what its setup was, but I do know the handgun was a CZ and I didn't shoot it. But when she shot it, I was like, okay, she's going to want to go carry optics now. So, but she didn't. <laughs> and then before you know it that's when she bought um the edge that she got and i was like hmm, interesting, interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah so um
1: so i understand that wanting to keep it the same is if you're looking for uh practice you, um set some on a gun that's similar to what you carry i've just now made the move to put a red dot on my carry gun
0: mm-hmm.
1: um after i've never i mean i love red dots um been shooting competitively with a red dot for years, but I never had one on my carry gun. Um, I didn't want to have to deal with the electronic part of the red dot on a carry gun. I wanted to just be able to draw the gun and have it ready to go. Um, But now there's some, you know, some new technology and some red dots that, that allow the shake awake and auto off and auto adjust Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that, that have given me a little more confidence in, in carrying one. So now I have a red dot on my carry gun as well as a competition gun. (laughs) That's
0: it. So, um, But uh, Eli, do you actually do do EDC?
7: I do. I mean, I have a red dot also on on my uh, everyday carry. Uh, And I recently added one uh, to the one that I have right now, but I've been carrying a a 19 with an RMR for a long time. And uh, I switched, switched guns, and I also got a red dot on it. And it, I can definitely see how shooting carry optics would help with, with your firearm to be you know the most proficient with it as you can.
0: Right. Now I remember when carry optics first came around, and when more people was getting into it, when they would pull the firearm out, it would be like a three second delay before they pull. <laughs> and everybody else who was like a little bit more seasoned they will start joking. The newer person saying like, yep, you don't draw fire. <laughs> Cause you know, they're sitting there looking for the dot. They're moving the, you know, the
1: yeah, up it's pretty down. evident. They start moving their head around and trying <laughs> yeah. to find the, yeah. the, where's the red dot. <laughs> yeah. so, that,
7: that has to be the, the biggest learning curve going right. from, from irons to carry optics. And I think a lot of people don't stick to carry optics or just red dots in general, because of that initial, learning curve. But after you pick it up and it, t- it takes a while. I mean, I've, I've done thousands and thousands of reps of so just dry finding just to find it and uh, it finally it, it helps.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm curious about it. So like I said, I'm probably next year will be when I actually dive into it. I say it by the end of this year, but after reading some of the emails that were sent to me and the messages that were sent to me about the various optics, it's driving the research even more. I'm dying. Now He just have
1: more questions.
0: <laughs> exactly, it just opens up. It just keeps opening up. So for every everybody who sent me um, a message or an email, I really do appreciate it. Trust me, I've read them all, and it's driving me to like, okay, let me go back to the drawing board. Now I'm asking more questions, like
1: you stated. <laughs> you
7: you just get to buy two. Whatever you get, you get to buy two of them
1: or three. So, <laughs> Eli's bought all of them.
7: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
7: I've I've went through a lot of red dots last year, and then this year, I finally settled on one. And but I'm looking to buy a backup because I think that's one thing we carry optics. You always need a backup.
0: Now you said the one that you're using is a Trigicon.
7: Trigicon SRO.
0: Okay, so. By now what was the five or let's say three to five decision makers to make you say this is the one for me
7: uh so reliability uh moa and the battery on top uh was one of the the most things that drew me to the optic uh there's definitely optics with bigger windows uh larger moa but the reliability of it the reputation and uh, because a lot of the features carried over from the rmr and uh, kind of what settled and it hasn't broke yet. And last year I broke, uh, I believe three or four optics
1: last year.
0: Wow. You hard on things, ain't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, That's <laughs> why I don't work on guns. Cause I end up breaking stuff. <laughs> Carry optics guns are, are tough on red dots though, man. It's, they yeah. beat the crap out of a red dot mounted on top of it. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, now are you going to actually do any level two matches this year with carry optics?
7: Uh, South Carolina sectional match, I'll be, uh, I'm going to shoot that. Uh, and I'm still waiting for area six, just with, uh, if I can get the time off at work to, to drive up there. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the, the two that I have planned. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to take a break from shooting this year from, for work from June till November, So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to get to level two matches, or I guess area match would be level three, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then, so so I need to do those those two before I leave.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So, but between June and November, that sounds like a lot of draw fire right there.
7: (laughs) That's what I'm probably going to be focused on. (laughs) That's it.
0: (laughs) Now, I know um, Jenny said that she was going to be doing... um, she was going to see if they had like an air gun competition. She's over in uh, Korea right now. And prior to her leaving, and when we was talking at one of the matches, she stated that she was going to see about if they had like an air gun um, championship or tournament so she can actually stay relevant with shooting so she doesn't lose um, the skills that she's already acquired. But I never reached out to her because she's a little bit higher ranking so i don't think she's going to have all that off time like regular soldier would you know
7: right yeah and like different uh rules over there and, and what you can have and can't have but
0: right.
7: um i'm i'm planning to try to go and get one of those uh dry fire systems or something to take with me Hopefully that way, at least I don't lose the whole draw and finding the red dot and start shooting again. People looking at me like, how are you looking for the red dot again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Um, So if um, anybody want to go ahead and check out your videos or anything with you in relation to shooting, how can they actually look at these videos and or contact you in regards to a discussion about carry optics or shooting?
7: Uh, I so I, I recently had to make some some changes on uh, social media. I'm still trying to find uh, a place. I might um, put some on, on YouTube right now. But if you're at a match and uh, just want to check out the the with the SRO and you want know, to shoot it, just I'm more than happy to let you do that. Uh, a lot of that's how a lot of people let me check out the red dots. So I'm more than happy to pass that along. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So like I said, I might take you up on that um that offer right there. <laughs>
7: <laughs> absolutely anytime <laughs> yeah
0: so um do you have anything else with the um you want to share with the good
7: people uh, well I've, I've been listening to, to you guys' podcast for for over a year now so it's, it's really an honor to be on it i really appreciate you guys having me
0: hey, uh, not, no problem like i said i remember i told you a while <laughs> back that we was going to get you on the show and now you're on the show <laughs>
1: there you <Yeah>. go <laughs> thanks for being on the show y'all th- thanks for having me and
7: yeah. uh i appreciate i, I really enjoy shooting with with everybody uh, around us here and it's it's really probably the best community uh, of people to hang out with so
1: i think so i agree with yeah, you man. I agree some with of you. the best people i've ever met mm-hmm.
0: yeah um even if coach b is giving me a hard time regardless um the shooting community is still awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right. So um, once again, um, we do want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. And um, anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome to come on and do a discussion about whatever you feel like you want to discuss and we'll make a show out of it. And like I said, once again, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, Any last words?
7: Uh nope. Every hopefully see everybody at matches soon, and uh, appreciate you guys. Thank
0: you so much. Hey, that's it right there. So please, um, everyone, stay in your seats, and hear are a few words from our sponsors.
6: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen and the marked-up prices that come with a brick-and-mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina, or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout, and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
3: Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com. And I look forward to seeing you at the range soon.
2: The gun cleaners.
6: Our solvent is I think second to none, our lube is second to none, their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing, people don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially concealed carry.
2: The gun cleaners.
6: Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off, with ours it'll stay there.
2: The gun cleaners.
5: And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there.
2: Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com.
0: Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site, where you can even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.